0: The following presentation is a Barrett Sports Media production. Recognizing the unsung heroes of sports media. I'm stuck in this pit, working for less than slave wages, working on my day off. This is the Producers Podcast with Brady Farkas. I'm the executive producer. Oh, you're the executive producer.
1: And it starts now. Now. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into another edition of the Barrett Sports Media Producers Podcast. Hope you all had a great Super Bowl week. Hope you all enjoyed Radio Row. Those of you that went, hope all of you enjoyed the game itself. We're back to business here on the Producers Podcast, catching up with our friend Eddie Eddie, formerly of WFAN, now is the producer of Mad Dog Sports Radio. He's been with Chris Russo for a long time, through the Mike and the Mad Dog days, through the Chris Russo solo days. We talked to him about what it was like to work on Mike and the Mad Dog, what it was like as the relationship between those two hosts deteriorated, his expectations as a producer now that Mad Dog is solo and stretched pretty thin. We find out the answer to all of those questions here on the Parrot Sports Media Producers Podcast. Eddie, you're at Mad Dog Sports Radio. You're Mad Dog's producer. Kind of give me the career synopsis. You've been around Mad Dog for a long time. A very long time. I've
0: been on and off with Chris since 2003. Wow. So I started started at FAN, you know, same path, intern, part-time producer, got hired full-time overnights. Within a year of being hired full-time overnights, I got the Mike and the Mad Dog job, sheerly by luck. I was not qualified for that job. Uh, Mike happened to just take a liking to me. Chris didn't even want me. Uh, That's the truth. I always, I give him, I give him grief about that to this day. He did not want me. Mike was a big advocate. We became friendly kind of in the newsroom. Um, And he really, he, he actually pushed for me to get that job. So I got the job in 07. I went till 2010 through the breakup. Then I moved over to Sirius in December 2010.
1: That's where I've been since. So you get the Mike and the Mad Dog gig in 2007. And at that point, Mike and the Mad Dog is at the top of their game. And I mean, just humming. How do you come in as a young or new producer at that time and establish credibility and create trust with a show is it that, that is that I, successful? I don't. I don't.
0: <laughs> I don't. I have no trust. I have zero credibility. I kind of just learned on the job. I know that's not the ideal way to do it, but I, I, I really learned on the job. And there were some bumps along the way for the first you know, six months. It took me about six months to kind of get my feet under me and understand the the speed of this show and managing two giant personalities as
1: best you can. That was a, there was a big learning curve there for me. You know, obviously the show had been well established by the time you got there, but when you get there, did it feel as big on the inside as it was to the people on the outside? Like, did you know you were a part of a juggernaut?
0: Well, I was starstruck. That's the other problem. When you grow up a fan of something And then you actually kind of live out your dream. It's kind of weird. Mm -hmm. Now, I grew up a huge Howard Stern fan. Huge. That was my first love was Howard Stern. I wanted to be an intern on the Howard Stern show more than anything in life. But I had no qualifications to do it. I wasn't in college for uh, communications, broadcasting, nothing like that. So it just wasn't going to happen. My next giant love was Mike and the Mad Dog. Long before I was in the business, I used to sit in my car. I was one of those guys. I would sit in my car Mm -hmm. one o'clock every day. I couldn't miss it. I couldn't miss the open. It would interfere with work. I would take my lunch around that open just so I could hear <laughs> what they were going to do at 1 o'clock every day. That was, you know, as they say, appointment radio. And then to, to be there, first of all, just to be at FAN at the time as an employee. Forget about working for them directly. Just to be there as an intern and meet all these people you heard. on You know, I was one of those guys. I was starstruck to meet, you know, Eddie Scazzari, to meet the update guys, <laughs> Bob Usler, all the names you heard, you know, for us growing up in that time. To actually come face-to-face with them,
1: get to know these guys and meet them, it was a thrill. You know, I grew up in New York, but I grew up in upstate New York. So, And I would watch occasionally the Mike and the Mad Dog simulcast on Yes when it got there. I wasn't a diehard listener. It was a little before my sports radio listening. Um, but I watched the 30 for 30 like I think a lot of people did, right? 30 for 30 on Mike and the Mad Dog, on the breakup, etc. What Was it like for you to be there as the breakup is happening, as the relationship is deteriorating, etc.? It was very,
0: very stressful. That was a stressful time because I knew it was coming. You know, things started to leak out. One camp saying one thing. Mike was pretty quiet through the whole thing. Never said anything. Hmm. You know, the side, you know, from Chris's side, there were kind of rumblings. There were rumors. So we were all just kind of sitting, waiting. You know, Chris has said many a times he wish he had a do-over on that in the way he left. Right? He, you know, he never regrets leaving, but he wished he had a do-over. He said it on the air as recently as a couple of weeks ago. I wish I had a do-over on that one because I like to give him grief about it on the air when we go at each other a little bit. Uh, that's the one I have on him that I can, I, I kind of hit him with. So that's the one thing he would have liked to do it a little differently, but it was tricky. You know, nineteen years he's under contract. You know, he's looking for to do something different. And he wanted, he know, he got really not bored, but just being tied into the New York sports talk radio formula, it just kind of warmed down over time. He didn't want to sit and talk Yankees every day, or the Giants, or the Jets, or whatever, you know, the Knicks. He wanted to do other things. You know, on a on a day today, perfect example. He would want to break down the Australian Open at this time of year. Yeah. You know, if he and he has the freedom to do that at Sirius, where at FAN it was very it's formatted, it's local
1: sports. I was gonna say what's the difference between terrestrial mad dog and serious mad dog well, and
0: you know terrestrial mad dog number one, you have twenty minutes of commercials plus an update so right off the bat, it's very different. Sirius, we have ten minutes of commercials an hour mm-hmm. and an update one update so he does a lot more talking at Sirius a lot more um he also
1: can do anything he wants, and I mean anything is that just because he's so big that the bosses can't touch him? Or is that just serious is that free in its content or both? A little of both. He's that big that they're not going to
0: try to manage him, but also they trust his instincts. You know, his audience, he's, he's in a unique situation. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, but you wouldn't put Chris in a sports talk host class, right? And say, this is how you do radio. You know, he is a, he is a unique, unique person,
1: what was it like to produce for Mike and the Mad Dog? Because, again, they're so good. They're so established. Clearly, they have their own ways of prepping, their own, way, own ways of getting things done. What exactly were they looking for from you? I mean, you know, I talked to some producers here that are like, I literally plan the show and the host just follow it. I talked to other people who are like, I just grab the audio and get the hell out of the way. And there are people that are kind of in between. I think I was in between. So
0: we would meet. They would have their guests that they wanted, what they wanted to do that day. But in terms of prep, those guys were prepped. You know, they lived and breathed it. I didn't need to to put together a show sheet. Yeah, if we had some interesting audio, I'd let them know. But, you know, I've seen, to your point, I've seen, you know, producers that will do a whole show sheet, segment by segment. Exactly Mm -hmm. what's going to happen. These are the talking points. These are today's topics. We're going to go there. They've never been like that. Never. Chris is not like that to this day. Mike was never like that. You know, they both came in with the newspaper. They would doodle on the newspaper, kind of have it there as a reference point, and just go. That's what made them great. Definitely uh, unscripted. Unscripted is – unscripted without a net. That was yeah. it. That's And it could go in a lot of different directions. You know, there might be a plan to go one way, but a caller might say something. Chris might say something. He might – you know, it, it, you just don't know. It could have gone in a million different directions – on any given day you know there were obvious days you know the day after the Giants win the Super Bowl that's what we're going to do we're going to talk about the Giants (laughs) and you know Eli Manning's legacy in New York things like that those were obvious days but on a you know day-to-day basis it could go in a lot of different directions
1: you know the callers were such a big part of that show were such a big part of WFAN and still are a part of WFAN but there's a lot of people that have you know, in the business, I think myself included, that have kind of grown tired of call-driven radio. Um, where are you at on calls? Because you've seen it when it's at its best. I I love that. I actually love two-man shows. So I
0: love a, a good debate. You know, a callers are really important to our show because they add a lot. And we have a really, really incredible, you know, foundation of loyal, loyal callers. It's pretty incredible when you think about it for national radio, not Mm -hmm. not a lot of, a lot of national shows don't even take calls. You know, it's more either guest driven or there's a co-host kind of in the room or they bounce ideas. I mean, we do a lot of calls on our show, so they're a huge element of it. I'm with you probably as a listener. It's probably my, I don't want to say least favorite part of the show, but I, I tune in for the host. Yeah. When I tune in, to Mike and the Mad Dog, to Chris Russo, any of these big-time hosts, I kind of want to hear what they say. I mean, I, the callers do add something, though. There's always, you know, you have your favorite callers. There are a lot of really good callers out there
1: who add a lot to our show on a day-in, day-out basis. You know, you talk about not needing to, to prep Mad Dog on things. I'm curious, though, like, he is everywhere. Like, so, you know, he's on Mad Dog Sports Radio. He's on High Heat on MLB Network Radio. He's on First Take. I mean, He's his schedule seems to be prepped uh, stretched pretty thin here. Is he just able to shoot from the hip on all of those shows, or does he no, need a he, plan from you a little bit more now than he did before?
0: He does. Listen, he the greatest thing that ever happened to him is he learned how to use his iPhone. <laughs> right. So he gets he, he gets alerts, he's aware of everything going on, and he reads like crazy. He's still a paper guy. He actually reads the New York Post, the Daily News, the New York Times every day. Hmm. Cover to cover. So now that I, I always tell him that's not the greatest way to get your information since it's already old yeah. by the time you're reading it in a newspaper. But he has, you know, um supplemented that with the phone news, breaking news, alerts. And if there's some things, put it this way on Wednesdays when I know he's busy, right? He's running from Stephen A. Smith and first take to baseball, then to do our show. Those days specifically, I'll, you know, we're in contact all day either FaceTime or texting all day. And I'll be texting him just to make sure if something, you know, there's something odd or there's something that I know a caller will bring up. I'll make sure he's aware of it
1: because what? You know, things, things slip through the cracks. What's it going to be like when uh, Mike and the Mad Dog get back together on first take coming up here? Oh, it's um, going to be huge. It's going to be
0: huge. The only, I would say the only downside to it is, I think it it, it kind of rekindles all the speculation of, can they, you know, can they get back together on some basis? Can they do a show?
1: And you know, it's just I don't know if that's ever gonna happen. The uh they've done reunion shows before, not often, but I you know, at the a big conference hall in New York or something like that, and they sold it out. It was massive. They say, so yeah. Whenever they get back together, it is a big deal. You're right. That's about a huge that, deal. Sure. Mike, Mike was great. He came on. For Chris's,
0: So Chris was inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame in October. And we did a big kind of pre-induction show, kind of a retrospective of his career. And we brought back a bunch of different guests. Letterman called in that day. People that have been really instrumental in Chris's career. And we closed the show with Mike. And Mike was incredible. I mean, they get back together
1: on the air. And it's just, it's like they never missed a beat. I think what's cool is that it will give a younger group of listeners, a new group of listeners, a chance to see them in action because so I'm, I'm 33. I feel like that's probably around the line of delineation of the people that probably don't fully appreciate their greatness. And this is going to be a chance to see it.
0: Yeah. I forget. I actually really do forget now. That's a long time now. You know, they've been, I mean, Chris has been at Sirius for 13, 14 years, you know, longer than, actually 15 years. So he's yeah. almost been at Sirius as long as they were together, which is kind of scary. So I how, there's, yeah, there's an entire generation that they're that they're
1: not aware of their impact on this medium. How did it work out? You going to Sirius versus staying at Fan? What was it like for you, and kind of in which direction you pulled in?
0: Yeah, I stayed at Fan for a while after, and I stayed close to Chris. And then, like anything else, it just it was time to move on. I it was kind of scary because I didn't know what I had, but I was always in touch with Chris. I went over there and I took a part time job. Starting mm-hmm. over there, so I kind of really started over. So it was, it was, an, it was, a,
1: it was a process. I got kind of a second chance. You know, we've talked about this with some other producers through COVID. You know, people producing remotely, etc. What is it like? For, you're not in the same studio as Chris every time you work together, right? You're doing some remote stuff with him. I got to imagine that's a different dynamic versus being with a guy every day like you have been for so long. It is, and I actually,
0: I think the honestly, I think the best radio we ever did you know, kind of together was during COVID Hmm. because we were forced to just do so many different things. I actually felt that was the best producing I ever did because Hmm. that's when I did have to come up with a show sheet and we had to get through topics and I would find strange guests all over to do different things and talk other things besides sports. You know, there were only so many times we could put, we had this great doctor who would come on and he would, Talk
1: to us, you know, about COVID, but there's only so much you can do that before it just gets tedious. What uh, What is your advice to new or young producers? Listen, producing radio, you gotta love it. You just gotta love it. It's it's a it's a little bit of a grind
0: because my my frustration lies with guest booking every oh. day. I don't know what other producers say about that, but the worst part of every day for me is
1: guest booking. Would you rather be ignored or told no? Told I always. No. Have- Please just, okay. just
0: say, right. I'll, I'll, I'll take a text back. Can't do it. It, it. Ignoring is the worst because then I know. And the worst part is I know I have your number because I've had guys actually on different occasions, call in from that number and they just flat out ignore it. We had one actually say it was the wrong number and yeah. then call in from that number another <laughs> time later for uh, for a promotional spot, which was, that was, that was rough. I, guess, I will appreciate just, just say no. Everyone wants a piece of you. And uh, you know, after you do interview, after yeah, I get it, it's it's tedious, but just say no. I hate that. I hate being just I sit there and then you're staring at your phone all day. I'm like, oh it buzzes. Nope. That's not him. You know, it's it's that's the worst part of every day. Really? And then you get
1: the, the read receipt where it says oh, it was yeah. read and you get no and you get just no really response.
0: Just and I get it. You know what it is? I always think. And it's not the relationships we have. is not about me. It's I'm not stupid enough to think they're doing this for me or I have. I have one relationship in this business and it's someone I started with at FAN. That's it. Kevin Mm -hmm. Burkhardt. I'm friendly with him besides, you know, him being the lead, you know, Fox announcer. Mm -hmm. I've known him since he was at FAN doing updates. So he's always been good to me. Outside of that, I don't have a lot of, you know, friends
1: in the business. When they,
0: when these guys come on, they do it for Chris.
1: I've always I mean, said that booking guests is my favorite and least favorite thing to do as a producer. When you're on a heater, it's great. Well, but when you when you're,
0: that's that is a great point. And now there's there's a part of me that still loves the chase. But that's more about the older guys, right? I love finding Chris loves history. He loves talking to you know historical figures, let's say, you know, Jerry Kramer. You know the sixty-two Packers. That's what he yeah. wants to do. So when I chase down a guy like that or I find him somewhere in a you know in a small town, that I like. I can get a kind of a thrill off of that. And those and those guys generally they want to talk.
1: Another great episode here of the Barrett Sports Media Producers Podcast. I could have talked to Eddie all day. Good stuff there. Learning the ins and outs of WFAN back in the day, learning how about the simulcast worked between the yes network and the radio side of things what the difference is between mad dog on terrestrial radio what is what it was like for him on uh you know on now the xm side of things so good stuff with eddie the stories the laughs the ability the advice all of it excellent we'll see you on the next one everybody this is the producer's podcast you don't want to believe it but maybe the show is over thank you for listening to the producer's podcast
0: To enjoy past and future episodes, check out iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, the iHeart app, and BarrettSportsMedia.com.